I know you're out there. I know that you're afraid. You're afraid of us. You're afraid of change. I don't know the future. I didn't come here to tell you how this is going to end. I came here to tell you how it's going to begin. I'm going to hang up this phone, and then I'm going to show these people what you don't want them to see. A world without rules and controls, without borders or boundaries. A world where anything is possible. Where we go from there is a choice I leave to you. the dots of the Constitution for you like no one else can. The Chris Ann Hall Show. She's an attorney, a disabled U.S. Army veteran, an author, public speaker, mother, pastor's wife, and a patriot. She's Chris Ann Hall. Rise and shine, liberty-loving patriots. Welcome to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. I am Chris Ann Hall. You can find me at chrisannhall.com, K-R-I-S-A-N-N-E-H-A-L-L.com. Liberty over security, principle over party, and truth over your favorite personality. Welcome to the show. I am Chris Ann Hall, and you know uh, that I'm usually with my husband and co-host, J.C. Hall, but we have an empty chair today. <laughs> Chris Ann doing the show with an empty chair because J.C. is still a little bit under the weather. So if you're praying, just keep praying for J.C., uh, and uh, we'll be looking for him to return, hopefully, tomorrow. Now, as you know, we were covering yesterday Thomas Jefferson's first annual message to Congress. Now we didn't do the whole thing. Remember, we just did certain parts of it. And and at Liberty First University, I'm going to put up uh, a course on this particular uh, paper because it is such a great example in practice of the proper role and duty of the president. And maybe we will offer that on DVD along with the DVD on Article 2 Presidential Powers. I don't know. We'll have to see how that works out. But for right now, we're going to be putting it up on Liberty First University. I've been doing a lot of research on uh, the Uniform Rules of Naturalization as well. And that's going to be a new course up on Liberty First University this month in December. So we have at least two courses now coming up for you in the very near future. And I hope that uh, you are taking advantage of the Liberty First University resources that we have. Remember, if you're not a a student yet, if you're not enrolled at Liberty First University, you can find that at libertyfirstuniversity.com. And I, it would make a great present for your friends and your family members. And we have students enrolled from ages 6 to, I don't know, 106. So there's no upper limit um, if you're going to do it with your young people. You could probably go a little bit younger than six, but uh, we teach on a level that that uh, our middle school students can understand, but not in such a way that it's condescending to the d- adults either. So we have lots of homeschool students, and we have lots of people who have enrolled the entire family for a family learning experience because this is the stuff that's not in the textbooks. It's not anywhere. And what we're doing is supplementing and 
sometimes even correcting how, how our textbooks are teaching history. But it just so happened after teaching yesterday on Thomas Jefferson's first annual message to Congress, I ran across an old speech that I had written, oh man, many, many moons ago. And it really sort of sparked me to start thinking about something that I hadn't really thought about in a certain way, uh, or at least renew the thought in my mind, because here it is. <laughs> I added once a long time ago, but uh, sometimes as events unfold and new things pop up, you know, we, we, we sometimes put thoughts in the background, and that's what happened. And Thomas Jefferson, just to sort of get me back on track here, Thomas Jefferson opens up his first annual message to Congress on December 8th, 1801, by saying, It is a circumstance of sincere gratification to, to me that on meeting the great council of our nation, I am, an, I am to announce to them on the grounds of reasonable certainty that the wars and troubles which have for so many years afflicted our sister nations have at length come to an end. And that the communications of peace and commerce are once more opening among them. And this is what he says. He says, we, while we devoutly return thanks to the beneficent, my goodness, my tongue is getting uh, tangled this morning. While we devoutly return thanks to our beneficent being, where being is capitalized, who has pleased to breathe into them the spirit of conciliation and forgiveness. We are bound with peculiar gratitude to be thankful to him that our own peace has been preserved through so perilous a season and ourselves permitted quietly to cultivate earth and to practice and improve those arch which tend to increase our comforts. Jefferson is thanking God. And I don't know if I have to, you know, sort of interpret that. But knowing how the founders speak, that's specifically what he's doing. He is thanking God. He is thanking specifically a Christian God. And and by the way, that statement, among many that Jefferson writes, really dispels the myth that Jefferson is a deist. Because a deist believes that God does not involve himself in the affairs of men. And Jefferson's statement there, thanking God for being involved in the affairs of men, just sort of dispels that whole error there. So when, when your friends try to tell you, well, Jefferson was a deist, you can say, well, you obviously haven't read Jefferson, put down the theological uh, professor's papers and your political science papers and pick up the writings of Jefferson because Jefferson was not a deist. But this brought to my mind a question that relates to some things that we are seeing in our, our current society. This, this error of, in, of understanding of the principle of separation of church and state. Now, many of you already know we have changed over our website and we are in the process of updating the content of that website 
And our separation of church and state article is not up on the new website as of this moment that I'm broadcasting to you, but I'm going to have it up today. So that's going to be my featured article for today, separation of church and state in proper context. And this is, this is why this comes to mind. I want us to remember, and Jefferson is not the only one. Uh, the majority of our founders who did public speaking, who did public writing, who held public office, they gave open and common thanks to God and they prayed for God's intervention and they prayed for God's assistance in their affairs. And the thing that 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 gets me is that something that I want us to draw connections on here is that hey um these are the guys the same guys that wrote the first amendment these are the same guys that said congress shall make no law abridging the freedom of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof and if these same people wrote those statements are in public office, giving thanks to God and asking for God's intervention. How can you reconcile those two things if separation of church and state means that you can't talk about God in public affairs, that you, as a politician, you can't pray in uh, public and you can't pray as a part of your public address and it was interesting that I had this sort of thought process and I ran across this old speech that I had and I will just tell you that is my evidence of God's intervention in personally in my life the way that he has often brought to me things in such a way as the questions come up and so I want to read to you this this the beginning part of this speech that I had I had written and, and delivered many moons ago because it helps to explain how this is supposed to work. And then we'll get into this in greater detail and again from a a more uh current events issue as well because we have an issue in Houston again, where Houston City Council has passed an ordinance uh, that could possibly, it is an equal employment opportunity ordinance that could very possibly violate uh, the principles of separation of church and state and also violate the principles of the Civil Rights Act. And we'll, we'll talk about that when, uh, when we get to that very topic. But this uh, city ordinance could possibly force churches to hire people within their uh, religious capacity that are contrary, that hold contrary beliefs to their religious principles. Um, it could force churches and pastors to hire homosexual pastors and uh, church leaders and church employees and church teachers, e even when that violates their 
principles of uh, uh, religious beliefs. And uh, we're even, hopefully, we'll get to another story about a racist Christmas tree, <laughs> which is just very strange. It's how I came up with the title of today's show. Um, is this really America? <laughs> Can this really be happening in America? And so here is the first part of this speech. When we come back after the break, we'll give you the whole thing. But it says, to invoke divine guidance is on a public, excuse me, to invoke divine guidance on a public body is not an establishment of religion. It is an acknowledgement of beliefs widely held among the people of this country. Our history is replete with official references to the value and invocation of divine guidance in deliberations and pronouncements of the founding fathers and contemporary leaders. We are a religious people whose institutions presuppose a religious being. Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. Chris Ann Hall here. And uh, remember, you can find us at chrisannhall.com. You can find our education at libertyfirstuniversity.com. Let me just give you a little PSA. Uh, if you are a Liberty First University student and uh, you have tried to access Liberty First University through your original login. Remember, we have changed webs. Uh, we have updated our website. And check your email. There are instructions for you in your email to learn how to get into the new, uh, the new updated Liberty First University site. Don't go and and. Uh, cancel your account and sign up again. You don't have to do that. Just remember, check your email. And if you have any questions, if you have any questions and something's not working for you, contact us right away and we will help you get into Liberty First University. So don't panic. It's just a brand new, better working system. Uh, but we had to, we had to to do some things so that you could uh, get on board without going through the whole re-registration process. So we're talking about separation of church and state today. We're talking about the fact that our founders gave invocations uh, uh, as politicians for thanks to God and for God's intervention. And I'm going to just go ahead and read this again one more time. It says, To invoke divine guidance on a public body is not an establishment of religion. It's a tolerable acknowledgement of beliefs widely held among the people of this country. Our history is replete with official references to the value and invocation of divine guidance and deliberations and pronouncements of the founding fathers and contemporary leaders. 
We are a religious people whose institutions presuppose a supreme being. And I don't think that that should be really a debatable thing, this idea that we are a religious people whose institutions presuppose a, 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 a supreme being. You can't read any of the founding documents without understanding that. But presupposing a religious being and acknowledging a personal belief and acknowledging a personal faith is not the same as Congress creating a law. It is not the same as uh, proselytizing. It is not the same as government-mandated religion. And I think a lot of what we have today is a, a lack of education and just to be completely honest, a self-serving lack of understanding and uh, what would you call it oversensitivity to uh, what other people say. We've become a society so so self-involved. We become a society so self concerned. Me, 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 me. And I remember growing up in the 80s and everybody saying the 80s was the generation of me. I don't think the 80s hold a candle to the uh, the 2010s, if you were, because of the way that everything that people do is absolutely interpreted by how it makes me feel. Can I just say something? Not everything is about you. Not everything, not everything I say is about you. Not everything I say is about something that you do or something that, that you've done or something that you may do. It's just simply ridiculous because we have this situation now where I have to, I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to somehow govern my speech, understanding how that's supposed to make you feel. And that's simply how, how things work. I don't have to worry about how you feel when I express my feelings. And the idea that somehow my feelings affect you is such an arrogant assertion from the get-go that it's really hard for me to wrap my brain around. How weak of a, of a society have we become in character when we have to suppose that everything that someone says in public office is meant to coerce, control, or somehow man, uh, manipulate how you operate? This is, this is uh, maybe it's because we've developed a society of people that sees everyone in public service as some kind of role model. As arrogant men tear up our constitution And from every direction we cry revolution Standing together and without permission Soldiers for truth in the war of attrition The love of our country As I The Chris Ann Hall Show. She's Liberty's lobbyist. Oh, but I'm only a stranger here. 
Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. Chris Ann Hall here. You can find us at chrisannhall.com. K-R-I-S-A-N-N-E-H-A-L-L.com. And I just want to mention, I really believe that's what ha- what happens is now that we have made role models out of everybody that steps in front of the camera. Somehow now I have to, my children have to look up to you, have to model their lives after you. And so that every word that you say now becomes a tool to control and to manipulate. And, and I'm sorry, but that is, that is evidence of a very, very weak minded society. And it brings forward uh, this something that I was I had mentioned in a segment or so ago about this Christmas tree. And uh, my point is not everything is about you. Not everything is interpreted to be something to control you or to manipulate you. And here's here's the story. And what we have is Minneapolis uh, has the Minneapolis Police Department has a Christmas tree. And the police officers decorated their Christmas tree. And when you look at the Christmas tree, uh, you see sort of some very strange things hanging off the Christmas tree. There's a plastic bag, an empty bag of Funyuns. There's an empty bag of Takis chips. There's an empty Popeye's cup. There's an empty, uh, a couple empty beer. I think there's three different be- empty kinds of beer cans and an empty pack of cigarettes uh, decorating this Christmas tree. And... Two Minneapolis police officers have been suspe- have been suspended over this Christmas tree because of these decorations. Because someone has asserted, and it has just really snowballed into this, this interpretation that these ornaments are racist. Now, I looked at this tree, and I asked my husband to look at this tree. And I read the comments of other people looking at this tree. And it is, I, I don't get it. I, I can't get it. Maybe it's because I don't live in that mentality that everything is about me. This hypersensitivity that, that there's an, a boogeyman and an enemy around every single corner. Somebody always trying to, to degrade me or, or whatever. What my husband and I both said, I, I, this looks like a frat house Christmas tree. It looks like co- uh, something you would find in a college dorm. Is it appropriate for the police department? I, I don't know. That's probably a question that, that could be addressed by the administration of the police department. But is it racist? Oh, my goodness. Seriously? Have we become that shallow? Have we become that arrogant that everything has to be about you or me and the city councilman philippe cunningham says these pieces of trash were deliberately chosen to represent how certain officers feel about the community they serve that black people are a stereotype to be mocked and the lives of those they serve may as well be reduced to trash in the gutter (laughs) really are you stinking kidding me i mean come on now mr cunningham you are taking yourself 
way too seriously. And this is what happens when we get into the habit of 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 engaging in this arrogant kind of behavior that everything is about you. And uh, a racist and derogatory Christmas tree is how this all started as a post on Twitter. And, uh, you know, uh, I don't know. I can't tell you the intentions of these officers, but I can tell you by simply looking at the tree, you can't make that conclusion and you can't make that assumption. And this goes back to the point that I'm trying to make here, this understanding of separation of church and state, this understanding of separation of uh, religious beliefs from public speech. Not everything is about you. Not everything is there to coerce and manipulate you. There is just because your politician has a faith and steps up and says, thank you to my faith. Thank you to my God. I hope that my God will bless us is not an imposition of his religion on you. It's not an attempt to proselytize and it's certainly not a law. Huh? Hmm. Maybe because we have come to think that judges' words are laws. <laughs> that we've come how, somehow come to, to think that all politicians' words are laws? I don't know. See, this is what I wrote back then. I said, the difference between government speech endorsing religion and private speech endorsing religion. You see, that's the difference. Just because you're in government doesn't change the fact that you are a private individual. See, prayer can serve in our culture uh, uh, the legitimate purpose of solemnizing public occasions, expressing confidence in the future, encouraging the recognition of what is worthy of appreciation in society. And the establishment clause is what they, people always turn to, does not require the elimination of private speech endorsing religion in public spaces. The free exercise clause does not punish, uh, does not permit the state to confine religious speech to whispers or banish it to broom closets. I just want to repeat that again. The free exercise clause does not permit the state to confine religious speech to whispers or banish it to broom closets. This is not what this is all about. A content of prayer is not a concern to judges where there is no indication the prayer uh, is an opportunity to exploit or to proselytize or advance anyone or disparage any other faith or belief. If you're not standing up there saying, hey, this is, this is prayer uh, that we are, I am giving as a personal invocation of my belief, then guess what? I'm not trying to control you. This is not about you. We, we've got to somehow correct this. And I'll just be straight up honest with you. If we elect someone to office, and we probably already have people in office 
who are um, Satanists as a Christian, if that Satanist is a politician and stands up and gives thanks and says, I want to give thanks to my God, then I'm, I'm not going to throw rocks at him or her for giving thanks to their God, for acknowledging their faith. That is their prerogative. Because it's a personal thing. Now he stands up and he says, everybody must believe the way I do, and I'm going to treat you differently if you don't believe the way I do. And there's evidence that this is happening then we have a problem. But when we move, remove personal moralities from government, it ought to be no surprise to us when we have laws that do not reflect a respect for the life, the liberty, and the property of the people. When you tell people they have to check their faith at the door when they begin the writing law process, it should be no wonder to us that our laws are no longer bound by a respect for people's rights. I, does this make me radical? I, I don't think so. I, I don't think so. I'm not sitting on this show trying to tell you you have to believe the way I do. But I'm also telling you you can't make me uh, go stand in a corner and talk about my beliefs. And if I become a city council person, right, if I become a city council person, you can't banish my religious beliefs to a broom closet either. But in the same respect, I can't force you as a government official to believe what I believe. I cannot interfere with your expression and freedom of religion. And that's exactly what this city ordinance is doing in Houston. You see, this idea that somehow imposing your social beliefs on a society is somehow not the same thing as, as, as someone imposing their religious beliefs on a society is ridiculous. Just because you don't call it a religion doesn't mean that it's not an unlawful proselytizing. It's an unlawful coercion to force people to believe what you believe. And that's a principle that we're missing because we deal with things in words. We deal with things in literal instead of dealing with them in principle. It's about a freedom of thought. It's about a freedom of expression. And when the city council says to the pastors and the church leaders, by law, you must accept my beliefs to the extent that you must adopt them and employ them, that is exactly the same thing. That is exactly the same thing as some pastor being elected to office and then passing a law that says you have to believe what I believe. You have to not only believe what I believe, but you have to put into practice what I believe. And I do not understand why we cannot grasp that as a fundamental principle. A city council who creates a law that says you must believe what I believe. 
is violating the principles of freedom of speech, freedom of thought, and in this aspect, also freedom of religion. These are laws that are abridging the freedom of speech. They are abridging the freedom of religion and the free exercise thereof. This is a problem because we are not teaching the right things anymore. Chris Ann Hall Show. She's Liberty's lobbyist. Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. This is our last segment of the show. I wanted to take an opportunity to remind you that we have Liberty First Gear. We have Liberty First Gear. You can find it at bit.ly forward slash Liberty First Gear. Remember, you need to capitalize. If you're not watching YouTube right now, you uh, can't see the ticker below. So you'll need to capitalize the first letters of Liberty First Gear in order to find this page because it is uh, case sensitive. Uh, we've got some great stuff there, a great way to bring forward these conversations. See, these are the kind of conversations that we need to be having with our friends and our neighbors. We These are the kind of conversations that we need to be having in the church house and in the schoolhouse so that we can we can bring forward, we can break free from the servitude of this false narrative that somehow government control of our beliefs is okay as long as it's the popular beliefs of the time. You see, if it's not okay for a Christian to tell a, uh, a church that uh, houses same-sex people, that they cannot have same-sex people in their church. It is not uh, okay for a, a person of same-sex orientation or someone who, who accepts same-sex orientation to impose that belief on a church. It's just simply not appropriate, and it is the complete violations of these principles. And these are private activities. These are private people. And creating an ordinance is creating a law. It's not the same. The problem is that even in our Christian circles, in our Christian societies, we have a problem with this. Because the, pr the, the statement that I made in the last segment that as a Christian, if someone in office is not a Christian but wants to in, in thank their God or wants to, to invoke uh, their God's blessing on a ceremony that they're uh, standing over or speaking in, okay, I'm good with that because that's what religious liberty is all about. I'm good with that, honestly, because even the principles of Christianity that are given in the Bible say that we have to not, 
we that that there is a liberty in this speech that the control of the tongue doesn't come through law it comes through the holy spirit and i know that as a christian i need to have the freedom to speak according to my beliefs so that i can share my beliefs so that i as a personal person can meet with individuals and say look this is what i believe And if I try to eliminate someone else's ability to speak upon their faith and to act according to their faith, as long, of course, as that faith does not harm someone else. Because remember, if you're just now listening for the first time, liberty has its limits. The limit to liberty is that you cannot harm another. So if your faith says that, oh, well, I'm going to gauge in child sacrifice. My faith says that I have to kill people for my religion. My faith says that I have to beat people, injure people, maim people. Then, okay, that's not, that is not liberty. That is criminality. That is a violation of someone's right to life, liberty, and property. Okay, so let's just be clear there. Because somebody out there is thinking, oh, well, what about Islam? Okay. If you are Islamic in faith and you stand up and you say, I want to thank Allah as a Christian, that not ought to throw me in a tizzy. Because you have a freedom to believe. It's when your beliefs impose upon me or impose laws upon me, that's when we have a problem. And that's the distinction that has to be made. I hope that this show has given us an opportunity to spark some thoughts, to engage in some conversations. I'm going to put up the article Separation of Church and State today to help you have some things in writing to understand this. But I want to thank you for joining the show and say God bless you. We will see you tomorrow. I was one who believed in the